Hey guys, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Body Clock Podcast by O-Waves. If you haven't already, please remember to download the free O-Waves app on the Apple App Store. It's the number one wellness app on the App Store. It's fun, it's easy to use, and it will allow you to effectively plan your day. It works great as a visual planner, and please remember to tell your friends and family. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please do us a huge, huge favor and leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. As always, thanks for listening and hope you enjoy the show. Hi, guys. So welcome to another episode of the Body Clock Podcast by Always. Today, we have an incredible guest, um, Dr. Darshan Shah. Did I pronounce that right? Darshan Shah. Darshan Shah. Darshan Shah. Um, from... Who's a, who's a surgeon. Um, he trained in general surgery and graduated at the age of 21, um, which I find quite outstanding. And then he also trained in plastic surgery. And after that has gone into his health optimization, functional medicine and um, longevity um, field. So he's the CEO of Next Health, which is based in LA and also the CEO of Butology as well. And he's an expert in kind of the science of longevity. Um, he speaks regularly at Exponential Medicine and is affiliated with Singularity University, as well as being a technology entrepreneur. Nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is it's a pleasure. Well, this podcast is going to be uh, a, a very whistle-stop tour because you have so much to discuss. I mean, I was looking at your presentation topics and I mean, you cover brain, sleep, nutrition, exercise, healthy habits. So I want to be touching on each of those. But to sure. start off with, could you tell me about your journey into kind of wellness? Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that's an important component of it because, you know, I started off my journey as a doctor, basically, when I was, like you said, at a very young age. And what I quickly realized was medicine throughout all my different careers in medicine, emergency rooms, surgery. I worked for the Navy for eight years, seeing their um, soldiers. And you know, I, I basically realized that everything about healthcare is totally disease focused, not just all the technology and all the money that we spend, just the attitudes of everyone involved in the healthcare field. So for example, you, know, you go see a doctor and he has 15 minutes to make a diagnosis. And that diagnosis, um, is made and then you're given a pill immediately. Basically, you know, you're given a drug for a, a disease diagnosis, but if you don't have a disease or you don't have a problem, there's virtually no effort put into um, keeping you healthy, very little. And there's also very little um, effort um, put into um, making sure that you have some sort of health optimization plan. And what happens is, as you and I both know, all diseases really start 30 years before you start seeing kind of the physical symptomatology and the physical manifestations of those disease. So I really thought to myself, healthcare is so backwards. Not only, you know, is it totally disease focused, but the doctors are rewarded for diagnosing disease, but there's no reward for maintaining health. And I just really wanted to change the entire model. And I changed my thinking because you know, I myself, being, even being a physician, I was becoming unhealthy. I was becoming pre-diabetic. I was hypertensive, um, 30 pounds overweight. And even for my own, for my own body and for my own self, I, I quickly educated myself on the topic of health optimization and disease prevention. And I landed in functional medicine, which is a, a new branch of medicine, relatively new branch of medicine, really focused on the origins of disease and the origins of symptoms rather than making a diagnosis and then giving you a cure with a, with a, a pill or a surgery. And functional medicine really spoke to me. I, I went to many functional medicine conferences, really um, educated myself, and, and um, it really is the way um, physicians should be thinking in the 21st century. And um, then I saw another opportunity being an internal entrepreneur as well. I, I also saw an opportunity of making a business out of this, basically. Um, not only was there a thought process problem, I thought, but there was also a branding problem. Medicine in the United States, especially, no one wants to go to a doctor. They know you're going to be spending two hours in a waiting room for a 10 minute visit. That's going to be very unsatisfying. And basically, you have no control over your own health care. If your doctor decides you need to have a blood test, then he'll do it. If he decides you don't, 
he'll tell you not to do it. Um, and um, I wanted to change kind of the branding problem medicine had. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Next Health came about, and what we did was we made it very accessible for people to come in in a fun, cool environment to really participate in their own healthcare and their own health optimization, where they can get the blood test they want. They can use different technologies previously only reserved for very sick people to actually optimize their own health. And um, people love it um, here, and it's been, it's been quite a hit, and we've been very proud to keep adding more um, education and more functional medicine and more technology to Next Health as we keep moving the business forward. Yeah, as you mentioned, so you've looked at the, the start of the continuum where people are forming their health rather than, as you say, later on when you're in an ill state and then you're trying to resurrect that. And you, you have um, you've been dubbed the Apple for health. Um, that's what I've read. Um, so you're using kind of the latest technologies and kind of empowering people to think of health as being healthy rather than being ill. So you're changing that mindset. And I guess doctors have that mindset of patients are only ill. They can't be well. You can't make people better, which is the wrong way to think. Because if you look at elite athletes, if you look at top executives, a lot of their demands, they, they've been improving their health or a form of biohacking for a few decades, but the normal person thinks this is how we are and we're just going to get worse from here. There's no, hey, let's hold on to our health, how it is right. or improve it. So, that, so that's what I found very um, enlightening about what you're doing and the whole kind of use kind of design thinking to create this amazing kind of the clinic looks awesome, I must say. Um, <laughs> I really like the Instagram <laughs> posts as well. Um, and for young people, especially somewhere they want to go and be like, okay, we can go improve our health rather than doctor's office where it's a bit grim um, and you may not necessarily want to be visiting unless you're in very ill health. Right. You've turned that upside down. But being a surgeon, so you're a very accomplished surgeon, um, in the UK at least, um, this lifestyle medicine, functional medicine movement is growing. But from, uh, I'd say, especially surgeons, they don't, they see as medicine because the surgical approach to things is normally there's a problem and you kind of extract that problem, right? So, exactly. So exactly. it's amazing that you can think in both ways that you're, you've got your surgical hat on, but then you're looking long-term like a public health specialist would think. Uh, yes, it's been very helpful for me, you know, because I've been on both sides of it now. I've seen kind of the end result of years and years of damaging your body and basically outsourcing your health to, you know, the gym and your doctor basically is all people really do. And you can see that that, that model does not work. And 30 years later, you know, I'm removing cancers, I'm removing gallbladders, um, doing gastric bypass surgery for people to lose 50, 100 pounds because they've just not been eating right or managing their sugar correctly. And then uh, lots of cosmetic surgery for people trying to turn back the clock on the outside, but not focusing on the inside. I actually wrote a book called Making the Cut. It's on Amazon. It's one of the top rated books on plastic surgery. Okay. And what, what it's about, it's about the 10 reasons you should think about not doing plastic surgery. So my oh, colleagues wow. were not very happy about that, that I wrote yeah. this book, but it's true, you know? Cosmetic surgery, you, you seek out cosmetic surgery when you want this change on the outside, but virtually very little effort has been put towards making a change on the inside. And that always has to come first and foremost, because at the end of the day, if you're not taking care of, of your health and your mitochondria and your cells and your brain and your your heart, if you're not taking care of those things, it doesn't matter how much cosmetic surgery you do, you're still going to die at a young age and you're still going to reduce your health span as well. So it's almost like getting a car and giving it a paint job without fixing the internal right. mechanics, right? Exactly. It's a great analogy. <laughs> Thank you. But um, <laughs> that's what's so refreshing because um, you've, I guess you've collected, you've seen so many patients operated on so many people. You've got all these data points and experience from these clients and you know that actually, if I can catch this early or help people optimize their health, then they don't have to go such downstream and get so ill. So um, that will, that's what I think also makes you such a big um, player in the space because people can see, okay, this guy can do both. He, he has, he's treating patients with end stage cancer. And if he's saying, let's optimize people's health earlier, that adds, adds credibility because sometimes in this space, a lot of doctors, it can be seen um, from traditional doctors as, okay, people are trying to make money by, you know, health optimization doesn't work. But the evidence out there does show it 
does. And people like you who are proponents in both sides of the coin um, are a great voice for it happening. And I guess that's how Next Health came about. Um, and it's been two years since, since it started, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we started our first location two years ago and um, we're expanding to uh, about three to four locations this year in Los Angeles and we're hoping to expand outside of Los Angeles as well the year after. So what would be your moonshot? You know, my moonshot would be to create a total mindset shift in how people think about health and wellness and basically to put places that really um, operate on the notion that disease is where all the profitability is out of business. So for example, we have this giant pharmaceutical industry that is gouging people on, on drug prices. You know, it costs nothing to, to make these drugs and they're charging thousands of dollars for one dose. Putting those type of people out of business because really, you know, if you look at your health 30 years before and you start educating yourself and you start focusing on topics like inflammation, gut health, um, reducing your, your hemoglobin A1C, which is a marker of how you metabolize sugar, you'll, you will prevent diabetes, heart disease, brain disease, dementia, et cetera. And now all of a sudden, all these the giant industry that, that's been built around treating disease should go away. And we know this. I mean, if you look at all the research, you look at everything around, it, just look at the CDC's top 10 causes of death everything basically is preventable, um, except for car accidents, which hopefully will be pre preventable once we have autonomous driving vehicles. So <laughs> the other nine causes are all medical and they're all related to constantly pounding your body with toxins and food 30 years before you get the disease. And then if you, if you educate yourself on health optimization and, and maintaining good health and you know what your biomarkers are when you're young in your 20s and you make that one of the markers you follow, one of the things you follow about your life, like your checkbook balance, you will prevent um, spending a lot of money at, towards the end of your life on things such as insulin, on a heart attack treatment, or on you know um, a care facility for when you get dementia. All that goes away. So it's about the long-term thinking rather than the short-term thinking, what we're, as humans, we're normally used to. You know, behavioral economics shows that people right. don't think that rationally. So I mean, it, it's kind of helping people to think, okay, down the line, we're saving this much. So let's spend on our health now. It's an investment, it will grow. And I'll help exactly. again. Just like, just like when you save for retirement, it's the same thing. You know, yeah. you save put a few dollars away now, that's going to grow to a massive benefit 30, 40 years down the line. It's the same thing with your health. You spend a little bit of money now, educate yourself a little bit, and it'll lead to massive returns um, when you're 80, 90 years old. And um, you're still walking around, thinking, interacting with your family, having, you know, having a great life versus being in a nursing home. Yeah, that's great. So how do you live a healthy life? Okay, <laughs> that's a, that's a really good question. So one of the models that I put forth in Next Health is we have what we call the wellness wheel. And there's 12 aspects of health that we discuss in the wellness wheel. And I find that you can really divide um, health optimization or, or maintaining good health into into 12 aspects. And um, um, if you, it sounds like a lot initially, but some of it's really um, really common sense. So the first three things we talk about always are diet, sleep, and movement and exercise. Those are definitely your top three. If you, if you do a little bit every day to optimize and maintain those top three categories, the dividends are gigantic. So um, what I do is, um, let me talk to you a little bit about diet. I know that from my past biomarkers that I have a problem um, controlling my sugar. So my hemoglobin A1C is a little bit high. And if I continued down the path of eating a lot of carbohydrates, eating a lot of sugar, I would eventually become a diabetic. So what do I do? I um, really cut back on carbohydrates, really make sure I limit my sugar intake to less than a few grams a day. And I track my hemoglobin A1C on a quarterly basis. So I know which direction I'm going in. If I'm going in the wrong direction, I go into a keto diet and I, um, uh, for a few weeks and I make sure that um, I stay in keto long enough 
to get my hemoglobin A1C back in control and get my weight to where I, I like it. And that's a very specific personalized diet for me. That's not going to work for everybody. I, what I tell people is I implore you to see someone who knows what they're doing to create a specific diet for you. Cause you might not need to be on a keto diet. You might not need to have, um, uh, you know, carbohydrate management to the degree that I, that someone like myself does. But maybe what you need to do is be on an elimination diet, eliminating foods that cause inflammation in your body. Maybe some of those foods are some vegetables. So, um, or maybe you need to have a diet that is um, higher in protein because you have a problem, um, you know, retaining protein. There's a lot of different uh, diets out there right now that are all, every single diet out there is a one size fit all diet, right? So, you know, you have like the Weight Watchers diet, which, which they say works for everybody. Well, there's no diet that works for, it, for everybody. And we do have the technology and we do have the science now to customize a diet for you. So that's one thing. The second thing I do um, as far as diet's concerned also is I, I'm a big believer in intermittent fasting um, and time restricted eating. Um, I'm a huge believer in circadian rhythms, which I know you like to talk a lot about and following those rhythms um, in, your, in your diet pattern because as we know you know sleep is not the only thing that follows a rhythm your 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 hormone levels your your dietary intake all of that um your light exposure all of that contributes to your circadian rhythm so if you if you base your diet around a circadian rhythm type of philosophy you're gonna you're gonna do a lot better your body will love you for it Secondly, sleep. I think sleep is something that people just do not have enough of a focus on. Um, you know, we, we always try to sleep as little as possible so we can enjoy the day as much as possible. But what that does is take years and years off your life on the back end. So I have a sleep monitor and every day I'm trying to optimize my sleep score. And the sleep monitor I use is one that is a little pad underneath your mattress. Um, I find those work the best. And so I use a sleep monitor and I really try to optimize my sleep environment and my sleep routine to get seven to eight great hours of sleep. And by great hours, I mean um, in enough of a percentage of my sleep is spent in deep sleep. And thirdly, with exercise and movement, I, I'm a huge believer that you need to do exercise and movement every single day. It cannot be, you know, every other day or three times a week that you go to the gym. And it needs to be worked into your daily routine, it needs to be worked into your daily life. So, um, you know, I go back to just a step counter, getting 10,000 steps in a day, going to the gym on a daily basis, and not over-exercising. Um, I, I only spend 30 to 45 minutes in the gym every single day, but just enough to where you get your heart rate up and getting, um, getting the benefits of exercise, which we know through all the research being done in high-intensity intermittent training, you really only need 30, 45 minutes a day. And a lot of people tend to over-exercise, which is great for certain parts of your life when you're being an athlete. Um, but that over-exercise also, like maybe running five miles every day at the gym, once you get in your 30s and 40s, you can actually be causing more damage than good. So you want to make sure you're really focusing in on um, what stage of life you're in and the right amount of exercise for that stage of life. I think you've laid out some great principles there. So consistent with those kind of frameworks you've got, but you've also kind of touched upon uh, the nuances of kind of precision medicine with the nutrition. So I'm guessing a next health genomics is available. You can exactly. Consumer genomics. Um, and then with um, sleep tracking, um, you use some devices. So obviously you mentioned um, blood results previously. So you believe in kind of tracking your biomarkers as well as using kind of devices. I mean, I've started using the Aura Ring um, to get some feedback. Um, um, but that helps you, motivates you to, to, you know, A, be consistent and B, work out where you're going wrong. Um, exactly. So they're the three. So you've got 12, is it 12 spokes to this wheel? Yes, 12 um, spokes, right. <laughs> okay. And do you want me to go over some more? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Okay. Well, the next three things that we talk about is uh, gastrointestinal or gut health and cardiac health and hormone health. Now, these three things, the, they really come a little bit later in life or if you're having some symptomatology. Um, most people start thinking about um, these topics when they're in their 40s. Um, unfortunately, you know, our genetics are have a built-in kind of off switch when you turn uh, 30 to, uh, to your mid-30s. And what happens is just Evolution is kind of done with us back in the caveman days and days and evolution just tried to, you know, start us dying off at 30, 40 back in the back in the uh, caveman days. And 
your hormone levels start decreasing, your ability to digest foods um, properly and appropriately begin decreasing, and also your cardiac function starts to suffer. And this is where you really want to start honing in when maybe in your late 30s or your 40s, but it doesn't hurt to do it in your 20s as well, on your gut health, your cardiac health, and your hormonal health. Um, on the cardiac health front, um, we recommend a full diagnostics uh, at, at the age of 40, where you're doing a cardiac stress test, a cardiac echogram, and evaluating an ultrasound of all your blood vessels. If you do this when you're in your 40s, and you do this on a yearly or every other year basis, you're going to diagnose a, a, a life-threatening disaster before it becomes a problem. And you can also turn the clock backwards. Um, this involves things such as cholesterol and plaque formation in your arteries and diagnosing that when you have the tiniest little plaque versus um, a large plaque that causes an occlusion either to your brain or to your heart. So seeing a specialist, we have an entire program set out with a cardiac specialist, we can get this done. Um, as far as hormone health does goes, we do a full hormone panel. Um, what you'll find is men and women starting at the age of 35 start reducing their testosterone levels. Testosterone is one of the key hormones for maintaining longevity and maintaining health. And um, if a person is symptomatic, we will talk to them about replacement or some natural ways to increase testosterone levels. And thirdly, for your gut health, we do measure what's called a microbiome test. Uh, we also measure a serum zonulin level, which tells us the amount of leaky gut that you have, and also food sensitivities. And all of these are to diagnose any sort of um, problem with your gastrointestinal barrier. Your GI system is basically a barrier to the outside world like your skin is. It's preventing all sorts of toxins and poisons from entering into your bloodstream and causing um, inflammation. And if that gut system, which starts to age out at the age of 35, 40, is compromised, you're going to have a ton of inflammation in your body. And we know inflammation is a root cause of all diseases, brain disease, heart disease, everything. It's all interrelated. So you really want to make sure your gut is strong. And the way you do that is you allow your gut to heal by cutting out foods that you're sensitive to, and you feed your microbiome and let your microbiome grow to be a healthy um, healthy bacterial layer of protection of good bacteria, of good guys, protecting your gut cells from toxins in the outside environment. So the gut seems very central to your health, but yes. inflammation low is a key factor. And does inflammation build up over the years or is it certain times when inflammation is high and low? Does it wax and wane? Is it associated with stress? Um, the answer to your question is yes to all of it. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, what happens is at certain times during the year, you have more inflammation. It's usually in the winter months when you're being more sedentary. Um, stress definitely causes more inflammation. Um, pretty much anything that's bad for you is going to cause inflammation. So too much alcohol, smoking, um, getting rid of your gut microbiome by taking antibiotics. All of these things are bad um, for inflammation. Now, it's very important for people to understand the science of inflammation so we're not talking like flippantly about it. Um, inflammation is actually a natural body process that is good for you if you have an infection in your bloodstream or you have a wound. Um, you need inflammation to heal the wound um, and to get rid of bacteria in your bloodstream and in your, in, inside your body. But what happens that's bad with inflammation is when you have this chronic wound or, or some sort of chronic insult to your body and inflammation is going on all the time. It's when inflammation is constant and consistent is that it starts damaging the normal cells of your of your brain your heart your gut everything basically okay and i'm guessing disrupting your circadian rhythm probably increases inflammation as well absolutely it does the more research in circadian rhythms is showing us how the misalignment things like jet lag and staying up late um, that's also associated with inflammation so that links in quite well so we've done this six we've done six does that leave six correct <laughs> <laughs> so yes okay yes. the next three so the next thing we talk about is toxins. We talk about stress, and we also um, talk about toxins. We talk about stress, and we also talk about cancer prevention. Okay. So um, let's talk about toxins. Uh, toxins is another huge cause of um, inflammatory um, milieu in your bloodstream and your body. As you know, we're exposed to so many toxins in our environment 
that, you know, it's just a constant onslaught. And our bodies, thank God, are built in with a really good detoxifying system, both in our liver and our kidneys and our skin, everywhere. But the more overwhelming the toxic burden, the more tired that detoxification system becomes. And as you age, it becomes harder and harder for your detoxification system to really just keep up. So what your job is, is to maintain the most detoxed environment that you possibly can. And how do you do that? Where you focus on the air you breathe, the water you're drinking, and the food that you're eating. That's 90% of the toxins that come into your body. And, you know, this, again, it all ties into, um, each other and that's what we call the wellness wheel because you know it's kind of like a wheel they all they all kind of um, relate to each other but dietarily you want to eat organic food that um that um you know is from a good source uh free from uh pesticides and those types of things um something we always recommend you know shopping locally and looking for organic food and if you're eating meat then a grass-fed uh, beef that's organic and pasture-raised chicken, et cetera. All of that stuff is extremely important because the more the more you read about um, toxins in your diet, you're gonna you're gonna learn so much. It's almost scary what this giant food system has done to our food and basically turned a lot of food into poison, devout, uh, devoid of any sort of nutrients in our food as well. And um, there's a great book that everyone should read by Dr. Mark Hyman called um, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? It's one of my favorite books and you'll learn a lot about this. And also if you go to the Environmental Working Group's website, they have a list of the dirty dozen, the, the 12 top foods that are most laden with pesticides and, and toxins. So those are some great resources for you. Um, your air, um, I also have a air quality monitor in, um, in my house, in my office, and air purifiers that I've researched and um, looked into being the best air purifiers. I think that's very important. Um, also, and then your water, um, I have a reverse osmosis system in my house that filters all the water. Um, you'll be surprised how many toxins are in your water as well. So those are, those are some of the things that, that we talk about um, with detoxification. As far as cancer prevention, we like to use genetic testing and um, we do some um, genetic tests to see what you're at risk for. But really a lot of cancer protection is also reducing inflammation as well. And um, the, the less inflammation you have, the more you'll be protected from cancer on a lifelong basis. Now, if you're genetically susceptible to cancer, then you do want to do the appropriate diagnostic tests at an early age and a frequent age to uh, diagnose them as early as possible. And there's tons of blood tests and radiological tests out there for early cancer detection. We actually have a package where we do a full body MRI screen on people once a year. I've done it once myself to diagnose any cancers at a, at a, at a young or early stage. Um, so, so that's also very important. So you're gathering all this data and this makes me think of the recent Topol review that's just come out where he shows that kind of neural network where a data system collects your microbiome data, your genomics, your nutrition, exercise, sleep, um, you know, um, and all this data processes it all because it's all so interlinked and comes out with outputs. So it seems like you're already on that track, but with AI, do you think it will accelerate this? these connections. I do. I do think, it, you know, AI is really good at making connections and figuring out when you need to start thinking about something sooner rather than later. What I, what I, what I'm careful about and what I talk to my clients about is, look, we have all this talk about all this data and AI. Hmm. AI is great when you have a million people worth of data and you have, you have tons of different data points. You're trying to make associations and having the computer figure out what's associated with what. Maybe we will figure out that, you know, if you eat too much candy when you're a kid, that that can lead to some sort of cancer in the future of a specific kind, you know, <laughs> but right now, um, not, thinking to yourself that, you know, there's going to be some big data system coming in the works that AI is going to somehow magically solve all these problems. What really takes is for every single person out there to take control of their own biology, to understand what are some of the top 10 biomarkers that they should be following, that they should be focused on for their own health, and then following those themselves and educating them, them themselves. It, sometimes it sounds like it's daunting and it's like a huge topic, but in reality, it's not that bad. And, and when I sit down with people over a few coaching sessions, um, they find that usually after, 
you know, a few hours of, of uh, listening to me and then also doing some of their own research, reading a few books, they feel extremely well educated to take their health into their own into their own hands and making sure that they're maintaining their own health until that point comes when we have this AI in your phone that's just doing everything for you. For you <laughs> <Which> yeah. I- <laughs> Exactly. So at Waves, we're trying to use coaching, a coaching platform for students to kind of help them form healthy habits at an earlier stage. And I know you're quite an, you, you do a talk and presentation on healthy habits. Could you tell right. us about some of those underpinning healthy habits of how you can maintain a healthy life? Yes, yes, that's great. So first, the, the key word is habits. And the, the, to me, the definition of habit is something that you can easily do every single day without even thinking about it. Um, and um, when I... When I talk a lot about habits, I talk to people about how they can form healthy habits and what's kind of the best strategies to do it. So, you know, I'm an early riser. I I use my mornings as my healthy habit time. So my first hour of every morning is spent on myself, um, maintaining brain health, health in general, um, body, brain and body health. And um, I talk to people when they're trying to form healthy habits is start small. Um, you know, if you're not exercising at all, just start with one push up a day or start with one sit up a day. You'll find your body wants to do a little bit more than that and you'll automatically start um, um, getting into the habit of working out daily. Um, then you want to do what's called habit stacking, where now that you're doing 10 push ups a day, you stack on top of that two minutes of meditation. 10 push ups, two minutes of meditation. Once you start ex- um, stacking habits on top of each other, you're going to have all of a sudden a health routine. And, um, and that's what you kind of want to end, end yourself at is forming a health routine, something you do every day, maybe be an hour, maybe it'd be two hours long that you do on a consistent everyday basis. So I can tell you kind of what I do. Yep, sure. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first I do, I wake up in the morning, I immediately um, drink a cup of coffee with some uh, uh, coffee. with some MCT oil in it. I need that. <laughs> I Yeah, I, uh, I then uh, measure a few biomarkers on myself. I check my blood sugar, I check my uh, blood pressure, and um, I weigh myself on a daily basis. Um, then after that, um, I will generally hit the gym. I'll go for 30 to 45 minutes. Like I was saying, I do a high intensity intermittent training workout and running on the treadmill. Um, after that, I'll come home. Oh, sorry. On the way home, I'll stop somewhere and meditate for 15 minutes. Um, I have a nice little spot that's on my way home that it's private and it's inspirational. So I stop there and then uh, I get home and then I'll open a book and I'll read for about half an hour to 45 minutes until my kids wake up. And um, that gives me some mental stimulation, allows me to um, get my brain moving as well. Um, Then usually, you know, I skip breakfast um, most times because I like to do some time-restricted eating. I like to consolidate my eating into eight hours a day. Um, If I I don't skip breakfast, I'll usually skip dinner. And um, um, that's kind of how I start my day every day. Great. So you have a kind of a morning routine seems to set you on track for the rest of the day. Right. That's what O-Waves and Circadian Biology, we're trying to establish that kind of link. You start your day right and it should set the rest of your week as well. And I can see with the time-restricted feeding, um, you're probably well aware of Sachin Panda and Deepak Chopra um, and their work as well. Um, um, Because um, O-Waves, we're closely kind of, Royan has been following their work. And we're kind of basing some of the principles on their work. Um, so um, that sounds like you seem to form a good routine. And on top of that, then you can augment your health with a lot of the um, services available at Next Health. So some of the exciting things what I've heard about, uh, things like which are kind of emerging is red light therapy, infrared saunas, um, cryotherapy, IVs. Um, could you tell me a bit about everything you have to offer at Next Health in terms of- Yes, absolutely. So so we call that our longevity circuit. Basically, we have four pieces of technology that you come in and you can um, experience over the course of an hour and a half, two hours. And some people come in, you know, once a week and just do the entire longevity circuit. We have some people do smaller versions of it on a more frequent basis than that. But we start off with um, the infrared bed. And so what this does is it has um, near infrared lights 
that um, you kind of lay on. Kind of, it looks like a tanning bed, but it's not bad light. It's good light, and it um, stimulates your mitochondria and releases nitric oxide from your blood vessels. And what that does is it provides increased perfusion to your um, organs, increased perfusion to your skin, and also um, the it's, there's a detoxifying effect. And um, mitochondria need all the help they can get, and so stimulating your mitochondria is also beneficial. Then after that, they go into the heat sauna and there's tons of research on there and the benefits of heat sauna. Um, and after the sauna, we'll do a cryotherapy session for three minutes, two and a half to three minutes. And what that does is the combination of heat and cryo, there's some research out there showing that that has an even more incredible benefit. And so, you know, people have been doing this for, for probably close to a century now where they uh, go into a sauna and then jump into an ice bath. We've just kind of taken a much more modern, comfortable um, approach to it by applying the latest health technology. And so we have to have a cryotherapy chamber, which provides um, the cold, the negative 145 degrees cold, but in a dry environment versus, you know, jumping into a freezing cold yeah. bath. <laughs> and you only have to do it for three minutes versus 20 or 30 minutes. And same, same with time. The, right, exactly. It's, it's about efficiency nowadays, right? right? And so... <laughs> yeah, and same with the heat sauna. We have kind of like this clamshell heat sauna that you go into and you program in the exact amount of time and, and um, it's more effective because the heat is directly up against your, your, um, your temperature receptors. So that's kind of, that's our, our um, longevity circuit. And in our next location, we're also adding a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, which will provide increased um, oxygen to all your blood cells, as, to all your cells as well. So I'm guessing that reduce free radical damage as well. Exactly, exactly okay sounds exciting so you've got the whole kind of infrared sauna cryotherapy hyperbaric oxygen um and a lot of your clients are they taking ivs as well yes, we, and yes yep so we do have an entire iv lounge and so at the iv lounge we all offer all sorts of um, iv nutrient cocktails um we have um and we also have IVs with additional nutrients focused for brain health or detoxification, those kind of things. And some of the advanced IVs we do are NAD, which is nicotinamide um, adenine dinucleotide. And, and if you know a little bit about this substance, it's a precursor of um, in, in a potentiator of mitochondrial activity. Um, have you ever had NAD before? No, I've not personally taken it yet. <laughs> well, you'll have to come down to Next Health and try it. Uh, of course, we'll do. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's pretty interesting of a treatment. Some people kind of get sick when they when they do it. They kind of get this nauseated feeling. It's just temporary and it's normal. It means that they're, yeah. you know, the, what we think it, it could indicate is that you have a deficiency of NAD and your body is really sucking it up. But yeah. um, some people don't. They, they have, like myself, I have a totally comfortable experience with it. But what you notice afterwards, anecdotally, is you just have just a lot more focus. You feel um, you feel a lot more energetic and the, in the, um, and your, your workouts are better and your, um, your, you feel like your brain is functioning at a much higher level. Um, and the, the effect is long lasting and cumulative is what we're finding. And, um, so, so we like that. Um, we're also doing stem cells now, um, as well. PRP? Uh, um, yeah, we're doing PRP and, um, umbilical cord cells as well. Okay. Wow, so that's quite cutting edge. So I'm guessing yeah. that PRP is for kind of hair and skin rejuvenation as right. well as maybe joint problems. Yep, yep, exactly. And so we use, we use PRP for all sorts of aesthetic treatments and um, um, we use it in combination what's called microneedling. So we make all these tiny little microneedling cha channels in your skin of your, of your face and your neck with a special device that has like a like 50 little needles on it and pokes little holes in the skin. And then we put the PRP, which is full of growth factors um, in directly inside the skin. And it's like what all the celebrities in Hollywood are doing. And so everyone here in Los Angeles is doing it and it really does work though. I, I really like the effect. So you're making people feel like a rock star and look like a rock star as well. <laughs> um, so with these rejuvenation in aesthetics at the moment, so with, do you do hair transplantation as well? We do. Yeah, we do hair transplantation as well at our, at our center. So it's a lot about kind of optimizing people's health, but prevention as well. So before you kind of, you're losing all your hair, um, using PRP, you know, collagen as well. 
Yeah. Um, you know what it is, is when you, when you feel great and you feel healthy and you look in the mirror and you see like that someone older than who you recognize or who you feel like looking back at you, um, it, it, it's sometimes a little bit disconcerting. And so, so, yeah. you know, kind of the aesthetic treatments that we offer, we definitely offer them to turn back the clock a little bit or stop the yeah. clock. We're not doing these crazy treatments that sometimes you see, hmm. you know, on Instagram that some of these models or, or yeah. you know, Hollywood celebrities are doing where they just way do way too much. We're just there to freeze the clock both aesthetically yeah. and um, biologically. <laughs> Great. And you do telomere testing, don't you? Tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, it's my favorite test. Yeah, telomere yeah. tests are one of my favorite tests. I want mine so, done. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, I look at telomere tests as kind of like a scorecard of everything that you're doing that you're um, how is it all adding up? And so um, I have my telomere test measured at least every year, and sometimes even more often than that. And um, proud to say my, my cellular age and the telomeres is around 20 years old right now. So that's great. Oh, wow. That yeah. is good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's been getting better and better. And, and it's incredible to see like our members go from a telomere score in the red zone right into the green zone um, after a few months of doing some of this stuff is pretty is pretty incredible. But for those of you who don't know what telomeres are, those are the end caps of your DNA. And what happens after every cell division, that end cap reduces its size and um, the number of base pairs that make up the end cap. And what happens over time is as that gets totally reduced, it unravels your DNA and that cell basically becomes senescent or dies. And if you can prevent that process from happening, your cells will last longer and they'll be healthier. And um, now we have a test. Elizabeth Blackburn discovered the, the role of telomeres and telomerase um, and won a Nobel Prize for it. And now we actually have a test that we can offer to you to measure your telomere length, which is incredible. So that, that seems quite motivating, actually, because if you're seeing reducing your kind of a genetic age or your you know a cellular age um you want to keep doing more and more activities and engaging in more things to make yourself younger um Absolutely. so it's nice to have like kind of a scorecard or a biomarker yeah. it's like you know like how much weight can you lift to the gym you know as you're lifting more and more weight you're getting better like you don't know that biologically like what are your cells doing you know exactly so you're quantifying things as well um, right. as well as doing these um treatments so yes um which, which brings me on to um, how, how often are most people doing kind of cryo and infrared saunas um, or what do you recommend? Oh yeah, we have our, you know, we have our members coming in weekly to do that. Okay. I think, um, you After know, travel? I have, I have friends that have put this stuff in their house and they do it every single day. I mean, if you can okay. afford to do that, I yeah. think that's fantastic. But, you know, they're really, I mean, doing it on a daily basis is, is a good idea. Some of these things like sauna, yeah. Yeah. cryo, um, but some things you, you want to kind of limit how much you do. You're not going to do hyperbaric oxygen every mm. single day. Um, that's a little bit too much. Um, you know, I think this whole concept of doing things daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, it totally falls into your circadian rhythm um, um, concept and what Sachin Pandya talks about yep. um, with rhythms. When you try to do things that are opposed to those rhythms, then you're, you're, your body doesn't take well to it. But if you kind of make a rhythm out of it, mm. you will. All my, all my clients that travel, like, I, you know, yeah. whenever yeah. I see high HSCRP, which is a marker of inflammation, the first question I ask is, do you travel a lot? And, <laughs> and you know, that, that's definitely a cause of more inflammation in your body. If you can stick to rhythms as much as possible, you're going to, you're going to definitely see benefits stacking up on top of each other. Yeah, we're always we're trying to help people optimize their travel and kind of help mm. them when to get light exposure, sleep, eat, to kind of help adjust to the, you know, um, time zone they travel to. That's fantastic. So, yeah, so hopefully that can that can help people. And yeah. um, so you've touched upon coaching, the simp the the basic fundamentals of lifestyle medicine and functional medicine, and then building on that with kind of all these latest technology and treatments. What do you see the future? Is there any new technologies that you? Oh, that you're going to be trialing or um, what are you doing with Singularity University in terms of longevity? Um, what, what's your vision and what are you thinking? What's going to be coming in in the next two or three years? Right. So, so what we're seeing now is kind of like this exponential increase in knowledge and, and science where every year we're making discoveries that previously used to take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to make. So what I, what I see happening is some of these technologies like CRISPR technology and DNA editing, senescent cell clearance, 
um, peptide treatments, uh, all of these things are gonna, are gonna start really hitting the market. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna see all these different technologies converge into some monumental scientific breakthroughs. Just like the breakthrough of the internet, you're gonna see a health revolution happening where there's gonna be a, a complete paradigm shift in health. And so what I tell all my clients is, you wanna be around for that moment. You wanna be around for the moment when there's a paradigm shift and all of a sudden, you know, it's like the internet, everything has changed. And the way you're gonna be around for that moment is to maintain and optimize your health right now so that when that moment comes, it might be in 30 years, might be in 50, might be in 20, we don't know. Um, you're, you're there and you're healthy enough to enjoy it. And you could be adding years and years and years onto your life but you want those to be healthy years. So um, sometimes reversing the damage of, of um, all the bad things you've done to your body is, is harder to do than just kind of freezing the time on it. So you wanna, you wanna get there when you can freeze the time on a relatively healthy body. So would you recommend people to start anti-aging or a prevention quite early on? Because a lot of people think, okay, we hit 30, let's start using these moisturizers and you know, mm -hmm. hitting the gym. Would you say that's a bit late? Yeah, and I would say, no, I would say 30s is definitely the time you want to start hitting okay. all those and really educating yourself. You're not going to need to do a lot of it in your 30s, but yeah. every year after that, you will need to do more and more and more. We even have a lot of our clients, believe it or not, are in their 20s. I mean, they just love this stuff and they're, they're using it to their advantage to, you know, outperform all their other um, uh, colleagues in their yeah, first that 1%, isn't it? The 1% marginal gains make a massive difference um, for top, top performers. And um, as we've got a bit of a student audience as well, looking at universities, so brain hacking, what are your top tips for kind of optimizing your brain health or kind of, you know, focus, memory, attention? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What would you say? You know, you, you, they're, they're, they're not going to like my answer because okay. <laughs> goes, I'm not going to give them a magic bullet. So what I'm going to tell them is number one, first and foremost, get enough sleep. Optimize your sleep environment, optimize your sleep schedule. Don't try to like, you know, part of your self all night for four days in a row and then think you're going to take some sort of nootropic and optimize your brain <laughs> it's just not going to happen um and and um so, so i would start with sleep as number one number two is de-stressing i think you know the value of de-stressing is not mentioned enough and by that i mean stress is actually good for you stress is good for your mitochondria stress is good for your um for your body in, in, in doses, which means not continual stress. So if you're in university and you have exams coming up, as soon as the exams are over, take a break, go on a weekend vacation. You wanna break up your stress on a daily basis and also a weekly basis and on a yearly basis. And that's what vacations are meant for. So don't skip your vacations. That's what, um, you know, going out and um, with your friends just for a walk or something, that's what that's meant for. When you're feeling the stress build up, break it up with something and then you'll be much more productive after that little break in the stress. Um, after that, um, you know, once you got your sleep down, a good diet, you're not drinking too much, um, and you've broken up your stress, then you could talk about potentially looking into things such as the different nootropics that are out there to give yourself a little bit of an edge. <laughs> but you know, doing all that stuff and you have the, that's only going to add one or two percent on top of a hundred percent. You need to get yourself to a hundred percent first, and then you can work on adding on top of that. I think that's brilliant advice and consistent with what, what we're saying at Always. Um, mm -hmm. um, it's been brilliant having you on and um, we've touched such a range of topics. I mean, I could deep dive into every subset of what you were discussing and you have so much information to offer. It's just impossible to do that within such a time frame um, because yeah. you've specialized and you kind of researched every single subject so well. Um, so it's almost like I'm missing out, you know, that fear of the FOMO because <laughs> I'm missing all the pieces of knowledge I know you have. But because of time limits, um, we wanted to kind of overview everything. Um, and how can the listeners uh, follow you? What's your website? Um, sure. So um, don't worry, you won't miss out because I also have a podcast launching here pretty soon in the next few weeks. And so okay, cool. we do a deep dive into all of these topics with a lot of guests. And um, I also have some episodes of just myself kind of taking everyone through the science um, uh, more specifically. Great. Um, so that podcast is going to be launched in the next few weeks and it's going to be, um, my, my Instagram handle is health hacker MD. 
Um, so Health Hacker MD is my Instagram handle. I'll be announcing it on that one. Um, we're still working on a name, so I'll let you know the name of the podcast is going to be. <laughs> um, we're we're also going to be um, by the end of the year publishing a book on health optimization. So um, look for that as well. Um, and then if you have any questions uh, for me, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Um, I tend to get back to people within a week or so, um, sometimes even quicker. And um, more than happy to help your audience and help you out there optimize your health. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I was especially interested in your kind of affiliation with Singularity University as well. Um, so yeah. are you working with Peter Diamandis on quite a few exciting projects? Oh, yeah. I mean, not only do I work, work um, uh, with Singularity University to, to go there and talk about the future of health optimization and the future of longevity, but um, I also work with Peter on a couple of other projects. Um, uh, Peter, as you know, probably knows, is a founder of XPRIZE. I'm on yeah. the innovation board of XPRIZE as well. So that's where we're talking about how can we make a big change in humanity utilizing the prize model. And then the last thing, the other thing that we're working on too is Human Longevity Institute, which is um, a business that he has in San Diego combining full body MRI testing, um, full genome sequencing, full biomarker testing, and putting all that information into a AI system to give you proactive health recommendations and um, preventative measures. And so th those are some of the projects we have going together. That sounds very transformative. And it seems San Diego is where um, prevention and health optimization is kind of taking place because O-Wave is actually based out of San Diego. Yes. Um, so LA, San Diego, um, it seems like the, the States is ahead of the UK at the moment. Um, um, so I'll be watching that space. And I look forward to coming to LA sometime and trying some of these uh, technologies you have to offer. You must. I'll give you the grand tour when you, when you come. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. Brilliant having you on. I know you have so many things going on, so I don't want to keep you any longer. I think this has been an incredible episode, and I think the listeners can just learn so much, and even by following you and following your podcast. Um, and we'll be publishing your O, so people can kind of use you as a template of um, inspiration. Um, mm -hmm. Someone who kind of combines all sides of the, the model of kind of being healthy really well. So um, that's been great. So, so thanks for being on our podcast and we'll let you know when it's out. Thanks. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Body Clock Podcast by O-Waves. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Please also remember to download the free O-Waves app on the Apple App Store. Please tell your friends and your family. It's a great tool to help you optimize your life and to effectively plan your day. Thanks as always for listening and uh, hope you join us again next time.